Well, good morning. Grateful to have you with us this morning. For those that don't know, my name is Brian Robertson and I'm the lead pastor here at church. I got a couple things to let you know about. Things are happening around the church. First, hopefully you got a worship folder when you came in this morning. There's a ton of information about things that are happening around. I want to just draw your attention to a few things. First of all, there's a black attendance pad on your rows there somewhere. And if you wouldn't mind kind of taking that, filling it out, pass it down your row. It's just one way we can stay connected with you. We'd love to kind of stay connected and let you know the various things that are happening. Uh, If this is your first Sunday worshiping with us, I want to extend a special welcome to you. First of all, grateful to have you with us. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for coming in. That's good job. Good. There's the, uh, um, so glad to have you with us. If you are, uh, like I said, if this is your first Sunday, extend a special welcome. When that attendance pad comes by, just fill out whatever you're comfortable filling out. It's just one way we can reach out and let you know the various things. If you're a regular attender, uh, you can fill out, uh, just let us know that you're here. If there's new information, by all means, let us know that. Let us know an email or some kind of change of information you can let us know. Uh, one other thing, if this is your first Sunday, uh, we've got a gift that we'd love to give you out in the lobby. There's some people that would love to kind of let, let you know the various things and give you a gift of just a one way that we can say thanks for being a part of the service. Um, also, if you have some time, if you wouldn't mind waiting around a little bit, I'm going to be kind of in this little area of the worship, serve, worship center and would love to meet you and just spend a, a time or two just to kind of get to know a little bit of your story. So if you have some time, I'd love to get to know you. Uh, as well. For all of us, if you've come this morning with a burden or something that you're kind of carrying with you, uh, if you want prayer this morning, there'll be some people on this side at the, at the kneeling rail here that would love to pray with you. Uh, if there's some issue, some uh, just burden or something that you're carrying, you'd love to have someone to pray with you, uh, you can take advantage of that. Uh, some people will be up here uh, later on after the service just to spend some time praying with you. But I do have a few things to let you know about. First of all, uh, Lent is coming up. So Ash Wednesday is February the 14th of this year. Uh, and so at 6.30, we're going to have our special Lent Ash Wednesday service. Uh, it'll be here in the worship center. So I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Uh, Lent is the days leading up to Easter. And it's for us to kind of concentrate and reflect on the importance of the cross and what Christ has done uh, for us uh, and on our behalf. And so it's an important season of the church calendar. So we start that with an Ash Wednesday service. Encourage you to come be a part of that. Also, many of you know if you've been around Crossroads for the last couple of years, during Lent, we kind of, uh, for the Sunday services, we kind of focus our thoughts around a, a, a book to kind of help us understand the cross and, and the things that are leading up to Easter really well. This year, we're going through a book called a Violent Grace by a man named Michael Card. It's a good book. It's a well-written, and it's a book to kind of help us understand the various aspects of the cross. If you want to purchase one of those books, we've got some at a kind of a discounted pr- price. Not a lot, truthfully. It's like a dollar or something cheaper that you can get it on Amazon. But uh, we've got them out in the lobby. So for 10 bucks, if you want to grab uh, a copy out there in the lobby, it'd be great to kind of start going through. The staff has already started to go through it, and it's a good book. It's a very uh, helpful and, uh, and challenging book at, at, at sorts. So we'll be going through that, using that as kind of a foundation. So if you want, have uh, some time, you want to grab that book today. Christy Spencer will be out there at one of those tables, and you can see her, and, and you can pick up your book uh, starting today, and we'll be getting, going after that uh, in Lent. That'd be a good deal. Also, we'll let you know that uh, the chili cook-off or dessert auction that we're going to be doing is on February the 18th. Our Honduras mission trip is be going in June 6th. 
10th to the 16th. And so this dessert auction and chili cook-off kind of combined evening is going to be uh, to help support that mission trip. And all proceeds are going to go towards that, that, uh, that trip that we're going this summer. So if you have chili that you want to enter into the chili kind of contest, uh, you can bring that at 4 o'clock and kind of let us know the various ingredients and stuff like that, and we'll set them out. Uh, if you have dessert that you want to enter into the dessert auction, um, then you can bring that as well at four, and you can, uh, you can go from there, and we can have a fun evening. It's a great evening to, to raise support and to support the uh, mission trip on this summer. So give some thought or consideration on February 18th uh, that night. Again, it's just a fun evening to, for us to kind of come together and do that. Okay, one last final thing. If you are interested in our adult choir, which will be helping to lead worship next Sunday and being a part of the services, there is a practice for you this Wednesday at 6.30, so you can come back and, and kind of be a part of the adult choir. We'd love to have more voices and be a part of that. So if you've wanted to be a part of the choir and you weren't sure the timing and all that stuff, uh, this next Sunday that choir will be helping to lead worship, and we'd love to have more voices and more, uh, more participation in that. This Wednesday is your rehearsal, 6.30, uh, here at the church. Well, if you would, stand and greet those around you. Find someone that you may not know all that well and let them know that you're grateful to worship with them today.
Well, good morning again. This uh, morning we're in this series, uh, as you know, in this book of Joshua, where we're trying to understand and continue our look at the narrative of Joshua, his story, and what has gone on with him, and how it may teach us how to have our life with God, and, and how our life with God may be strong and courageous, as Joshua was told in the early part of his life with God, what it might look like for us to, to pursue God uh, and to pursue Him well and to follow after the ways of God with all of our diligence and with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, this morning we come to the part of the story where Israel is continuing through the land. They've come through the Jordan River and they're continuing through the land. And as we heard earlier being read, Joshua leads these people against this uh, battle of coalition Amal- Amorite kings. These five kings have kind of combined together to, to wreak havoc and they win. The Israelites win. In a remarkable and kind of miraculous way, they win this big battle. And uh, it's what we're going to look at this morning and how that may teach us things we see in this passage, what it may teach us to live our life with God with more abundance and more fruitfulness in, in our own pursuit of Him. So I'm going to recap just a little bit of this story. So in Joshua chapter 10, and I'm just going to read uh, the ending here, verses 12 through 11, uh, no, 12 through 14. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all of Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Well, as we kind of consider this part of the story, this part of the narrative, uh, let's pray together, and then we'll ask God to, to bless our time, and we may learn from Him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before You, the Holy, Almighty, Everlasting, Triune God. And we pray that you would teach us what you want us to know. We humble ourselves and we lay ourselves open and receptive to what you would teach us about life with you and how we may live our life with you abundantly. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I've mentioned earlier on in this series, God has this call on Joshua, a specific call on Joshua, to lead these Israelites into the promised land. And he has a call on our own lives as well, a specific way in which he's gotten, kind of wired you up to be faithful to his calling. But he's also kind of got this general overarching call on everybody that would be a pursuer of God, and that is to be a, partic- a participant in his ongoing work in this world where his kingdom is really fleshed out in our world, that you and I are to be participants with him, that we would participate, helping to, to inaugurate and to see the fruition of his good kingdom in this world. And this is what we pray for when we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we are to be partners or, or to come alongside and, and to uh, walk with God as he's redeeming and restoring this whole world. And his kingdom is being established in our presence, in our midst as we speak. So this morning I want us to consider how is it that we can be faithful to this calling, this participation in God's work in our life. How do we do that in a way that is, according to Joshua, strong and courageous? How do we continue to walk and to continue to live the way that God would have us 
live. How do we do that? And in our story, in this aspect of Joshua's life, I see at least four things that we can take with us as in our life with God. And so I'm going to highlight these things for us, and hopefully they'll be an encouragement to us in our own pursuit of God. And the first thing I want us to notice in this story, in this narrative, is that we should anticipate opposition. We should anticipate opposition. When you and I make a decision to pursue a life with God, when we make a decision to turn away from our old ways, as it were, and to start living in the ways of God, we turn away from our old rebellious, sinful, self-centered ways, and we begin to live a life of humbly serving and a life that is pursuing the ways of God, we ought to anticipate some opposition. Because with any kind of change that comes around, whether it's a job change or it's a financial change or any kind of change that happens in our world, there's opposition to that change because people like what they're used to. People like what they've kind of grown, grown accustomed to. And when you make a decision, a conscious decision, to orient your life around the teachings of Jesus where your, trans, your heart is being transformed and the character and your mind and your behaviors and actually your words are being changed as a result of your pursuit of Jesus, there will be people in your life. You just need to know this. There will be people in your life that won't know what to do with you anymore. Because the old you, they know the old you, they know how to handle. You, you, they say one thing, you respond in the, in the same way, and they've gotten to know that you. But when you pursue and orient your life around the teachings of Jesus, then you will see transformation of your heart and of your mind, of your character, and of your words, and your behaviors will be different. And people won't know how to deal with you. And they will push against it. Whether they do it consciously or subconsciously, they will push against it because they know the old you. And so they may even throw verbal bombs at you to try and get you to respond in your old ways. And they go, oh yeah, that's, I remember that. And they get that. As you d- decide to participate and orient your life around Jesus' teachings, you ought to anticipate that there is some opposition to that. There's opposition to you changing, to you actually seeing transformation and a change actually happening in your heart and in your character and in your life. There are, there's temptation, in other words, by those around you and sometimes temptation in your own heart as well to just go back to the old ways, to just kind of give up, throw in the towel and go back the old ways. And so you ought to anticipate opposition. We ought to anticipate it. But we're not always, we're also told in the scripture that we not only have opposition from those around us, those that kind of know the old you and try to get you to kind of fit back into the old you. Not only is there opposition in your own heart to kind of like, man, this is tough, this is tiring, I'm just going to throw the towel in and go back to the old ways. But there's also opposition of the enemy himself who only wants to dampen the fire of God in our hearts, only wants to pull us away from what God would have for us. This is why the Apostle Paul instructs the people in Ephesians to be strong. As he writes it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the Apostle Paul tells his young friends in the church of Ephesus to be strong. You will face opposition and you should face it and you should know it's coming. Not only opposition from those around you that want to kind of drag you back to the old ways, but there's opposition even from the enemy who wants to just sap all the joy and take every aspect away from you. So, So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
And if we're going to be God's people, if we're going to orient our life around the teachings of Jesus where we routinely and easily begin to do what Jesus would do if he were living our life, then there's going to be opposition that comes our way. And there's going to be temptation in our own hearts to throw in the towel, to to give it all up and just go back to those old ways. And so would you hear this morning what Joshua heard and what the Apostle Paul tells the church in Ephesus to be strong. Don't give up. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong. Continue on. Know that there's going to be opposition. But you can take strength in the Lord. And for some of you, as you've been pursuing God, wherever you are in your spiritual life, for some of you, this is what you need to hear this morning. Because some of you are facing opposition of some dire situations. And as you've been trying to pursue Jesus and you've been trying to orient your life and around his teachings and, and change the kind of life and the priorities and the things around you, you are facing opposition. You are pressured from everyone around to just kind of do what everyone, what your old self was doing. Just to kind of give in there. And you need to hear this morning to be strong, to be courageous, to don't lose heart and don't give in to just going back to the old ways that you can continue in the ways of Jesus. And it is good. And it is better. So the first thing we ought to see in this passage as well as others in Joshua's story is that we ought to anticipate opposition to our desire to follow Jesus and our desire to, to orient our life around his teachings. We ought to anticipate it. But the second thing I want us to notice about this aspect of a godly life or this aspect of Joshua's story is that a godly life is when you make a commitment and they're always backed up. That our commitments are good when they're backed up. Joshua learns that the Amorite kind of coalition, these five kings have kind of come together and they've moved against the Gibeonites and he comes in to help them. Comes in to to come alongside them and give them some aid. But there's some things that you need to know, kind of history things that you need to know about the Gibeonites and why this is a big deal. Because the Gibeonites had tricked Joshua just a chapter before into signing this treaty with them. Joshua was given command, you may remember, to, to enter into the promised land and kick all these people out and, and to just establish this as being God's land. And so the Gibeonites had heard all of what Joshua was doing and all of his successes at Jericho and Ai and everything that was happening there. And so they kind of got f- afraid. And instead of kind of battling, they come to Joshua and they make up a story about being from some far off land. And they put ratted on clothes and old rusty bread and they bring it to him and say, we've traveled so far, we're so tired and you should take pity on us and, and sign a treaty, treaty with us. And, and they trick them to doing it. And some of the leaders in Israel are going, well, how do we know that you're not like one of these people we're supposed to like kick out of the land? And they go, oh, no, no. And they show them all the bread and they, they trick them into signing the treaty. And so Joshua signs a treaty with them. And we're told that when the leaders find out about this trick, that what happened to the Israelites, some of the Israelite leaders are like, Joshua, we can't let this happen we got to, like, kick them out anyway. I mean, there's some loophole, right? I mean, we, got, we signed that treaty under duress. We shouldn't, be under, we shouldn't be held accountable to that or anything. But Joshua's character comes through like a champion here because Joshua was true to his word, true to his word. And he doesn't, they don't kick out the, the Gibeonites. They don't destroy them. They make them servants, but they don't kick them out, right? And then word comes that the Gibeonites are being under attack by this coalition of Amorite kings. And some of the Israelite people come to Joshua and they say, Joshua, this is our time to get out of this stinking treaty. We shouldn't have signed it to begin with. Let these Amorite kings kill them all and then we'll take care of them from there. This is our way to get out of it. But Joshua's word was his word. 
and his character comes through and it shows us an example of godly character that he made a commitment and he comes through and he backs up his commitment and so godly people and people who pursue a life with god when you make a commitment you back it up you back you don't look for a loophole to get out of it you don't look for a way in which well i mean maybe that's true most of the time but not right now you don't make look for a loophole when you make a commitment your word is your word and you back it up and you back it up this is what jesus was talking about by the way in matthew chapter 5 verses 33 and on when he writes it this way again you have heard it said to the people long ago do not break your oath but fulfill it to the lord the vows you have made but i tell you do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And don't swear by your head, for you can't even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Anything beyond it comes from the evil one. Friends, people who are committed to the ways of Jesus... People who are committed to the ways of Christ, when we make a commitment to something, we stand by it and we back it up. When we say yes, it's yes. When we say no, so we don't look for loopholes. We don't look for, well, let me get out of this easy. We back it up. Back it up. And maybe this is something you need to hear this morning. Maybe there's something in your character that needs to be formed here to be true to your word. To be true to your word. The third thing we see in Joshua's kind of narrative here, we notice about life with God, is this aspect of God's presence and his sovereignty. And we see it all throughout this story and actually all throughout the scriptures of God's presence and his sovereignty. There's tons of discussion really about the surrounding miracles in this story, about the hailstorm that comes and kills more of the Amorites than the Israelites had killed, about the sun and the moon standing still and how it just kind of time stops for a moment what really happened there's all sorts of academic debate about all that stuff is, is the bible describing some scientific anomaly that happens where the literally the earth stops or the sun is standing there and it just kind of time stands still or or is that poetic language was it just kind of keeping up with ancient writings and all that kind of stuff there's all sorts of academic debate about that and truthfully i'm not going to bore you with all that stuff it's, I mean, we can have a conversation about it i'd love to at some point but we don't have time right now what I want to know about this, what I want you to see about this, is really the point of it all. Really the point of it all. That the miraculous happenings in this story and all throughout the scriptures tell us that nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible or too big or outside of his realm. Nothing. And we need to continually relearn this as our life goes on. Because when we face situations that are, are dangerous situations, or we face situations that are difficult, or we face situations that are complex and, and kind of confusing at times, we need to be reminded that God has not turned his back on us. God has not turned his back on us. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is too big. Nothing is outside of God's wheelhouse. Nothing is outside of God's understanding and of his power that we can take strength and courage from knowing that. We may go through very difficult, complex, confusing times, but we can do so because we know the one who stands with us. This is why one of my very favorite psalms, Psalm 121, writes it this way. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. 
He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. For the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. You see, when you and I are going through the ringer and things are just kind of cramping down on our entire life, you and I can sleep at night because he who watches over us never sleeps. And everything is under his understanding. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is too big. Nothing is outside of his understanding or his power or his grace. He is not overwhelmed by the difficult situations that seem completely impossible before us. He's not overwhelmed. He's not taken by surprise. He understands it, and it's within his understanding and within his power to grasp. Friends, our God is greater than every difficult situation that we may find ourselves against. And he stands on the side of those who love and follow him and the promises his presence and his sovereignty to be with us throughout all situations. I pray that would be an encouragement to you. I pray it would be an encouragement to you that you can be strong and courageous and boldly, riskfully, kind of courageously take steps towards a life with God, even when it's difficult and complex and confusing, because you know the one who stands with you. Because you know the one who stands with you. The fourth and final thing I want us to pay attention to this morning is the reminder of the importance of dialogue with God, or the importance of prayer with God. Listen again to John, or Joshua chapter 10, verse 14. He says, there's never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. How does that strike you? How does that verse strike you? That the Lord listened to a human being. The God of the universe, the one without whom nothing exists, the one who spoke it all into existence, holds it all in the palm of his hand, and he listens. And he listens. How does that strike you? Life with God is not about strict adherence to some arbitrary list of laws written down some thousands of years ago. It is about a restored relationship based in dialogue, conversation, talking to each other. Too often the Christian life has been depicted as a list of religious obligations, things to do, things to avoid, make sure you say the right things, avoid saying the bad things, do all these kinds of things, rather than understanding the Christian life as a restored relationship with God. Restored relationship. Throughout the biblical record, God's desire has always been to have a restored personal relationship with his creation. One of the most beautiful passages of Scripture is Genesis chapter 3 where you have God walking in the garden talking to Adam and Eve. Walking with them. Being near to them. Having a conversation, a relationship with them. And then you see this all throughout the Older Testament and throughout the Newer Testament. You have it in Jesus with his disciples where he calls them around and he walks with them and he talks with them and he engages them in dialogue. He asks them questions and he listens to their heart's response. 
our relationship with God for sure, just to be right on it, is established because of the nature of God, because of who He is. When we submit ourselves to the Lordship, the Kingship of God, when we say He alone is our King and our God, for sure, starts there. We are not putting ourselves on the same level playing field. No other gods before me, God says. But we have this relationship of conversation. We're brought into a right relationship where we can dialogue with God, where he will listen and he will hear and he will respond. Can you imagine having a relationship with a best friend or with a spouse and you never talk to them? Can you imagine what your relationship would be like? I mean, you may share information about like, hey, we're going to go here and directions about going someplace, that sort of thing. But can you imagine the, the superficial relationship, the kind of surface level relationship you would have if you never talked to someone where you never shared your heart with them and never heard from them and you never dialogued with them the relationship with god your personal relationship with god is one where we see it in joshua and we see it throughout the rest of the scriptures he's inviting dialogue where you can speak to him and he will listen and he will speak to you and you will humble and humbly receive that and you will hear from him as well to have a relationship with him not check off the religious obligations but of dialogue and jesus towards the end of his life and he's talking to his disciples in john chapter 15 and he tells them this i no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business instead i have called you friends for everything i have learned from my father i have made known to you i don't call you servants i call you friends because we're talking I've told you what I need to tell you, and I've heard from you. I've walked with you. So in your life with God, my prayer is that you would move from obedience that's driven by fear and performance and kind of religious obligation, and you would move from that to a relationship that is based on love and dialogue with God. Dialogue with Him. Because God's great desire is to have this relationship, not mechanical obedience, but relationship where you can hear and he can speak, and you can speak, and he will hear. So how do you do that? Because some people I've talked with over the years, they just completely freaked out about this notion about prayer. I mean, well, I don't say the right words. I mean, I, what am I supposed to do? And, and, and do, I, do I bow my head now, or do I close my I don't know. Start, I, I'm totally freaked out. They just say, Brian, you do it. I mean, you're a pastor. You just start praying. You know, you do it. Sometimes I'll say, no, it's my day off today. It's, you pray. But how do you pray? How do you do that? If this is you, if, if, if the notion of prayer has kind of freaked you out at some point, can I give you a suggestion this morning? It's helped a, a many people in their, in their pursuit of Jesus. And it's this acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. And maybe this would help you in your prayer life. The A stands for adoration, where you simply tell God how great he is. How great and marvelous he is. How, and you wonder and you, and you awe at his wondrous deeds and you just simply adore him. And the C stands for confession, where you just simply recognize that you have fallen short of his glorious standard. And the T stands for thanksgiving, where you give him thanks for the many blessings that he's given, he's poured out onto your life. And then the S stands for supplication, where you ask for what you need. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And if you walk that little acronym, it can help you in your prayer life. It doesn't have to take very long. It can be something very simple, something, something like this. God, you are amazing. 
You, are, you alone are holy and good. I thank you for the many blessings you've given us today that we can gather together as a group and as a family. I'm sorry the times when I mess up and I don't do things according to what you would have us to do, but I am so grateful for your presence in the midst of my life. Today, would you give me grace so that I may follow you better? Simple like that. A-C-T-S. And even when you're still unsure how to pray, and when you're unsure, and gosh, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, all that stuff, would you take one more piece of encouragement from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 when he tells you that the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness? For example, he says, we do not know, when we do not know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Cannot be expressed. Would you take encouragement from that? So in our life with God, we can take bold steps and obedient steps and faith. And when we do so, we would expect to see him meet us and show up unexpectedly, remarkably, miraculously even, that he would encounter us. And so my prayer for you this morning, my prayer for me this morning, is that in our life with God, in our pursuit of a life with Jesus, as we orient our life around his teachings, when you face opposition that you would do it confidently, that your life is caught up in God and that God is greater than any obstacle or any difficulty or any complexity or anything that you may be facing and that your life with God will transcend all fear and anxiety and any kind of performance and any kind of rigid obligations and will be transformed to a relationship driven by love and dialogue, conversation with our great God. Let's pray together. Father, you are alone worthy of all praise and honor and glory. We recognize that we have been busy in our life at times and we have uh, not paid attention to what you are saying to us. But we are so grateful for your grace and for your mercies and for the way in which you lead us. Would you give us hearts that are receptive to what you would teach us, that we may take bold steps of faith, continue to pursue you, and that we may experience life in all of its abundance. It's in your name we pray. Amen.